Hey everybody, this is Tony. And Cassandra. Welcome to episode four. This Ooh. is part two of getting through the darkness of pain, illness, depression, and emerging on the other side, transformed. Wow. Beautiful. So you had the um, very lovely opportunity, Tony, last time to just sit and stare <laughs> at me while I took the whole episode. <laughs> so my husband predicted that uh, we would probably have to chop this up into two, which we did. Um, but that's fine. It is what it is. But I now have the absolute honor and privilege of introducing my buddy, Tony. So um, Tony always goes on and on and on about apparently how uh, how moved he was by it's me. Just the truth. <laughs> but I wanted to take the opportunity really quick here to say that the experience was completely simultaneous and completely reciprocated the moment I walked into Tony's beautiful clinic the energy here is so high vibrational it is so clean and crisp and you know what it's full of kind of like um the best way I can put it Tony is you have this whimsical energy about you that's really light-hearted and as much as Tony you take everything you do very seriously and that you are holding all your clients in your hands. But you also have this uncanny way of working in humor and um, a lightheartedness that makes your clients feel so hopeful and so safe in your presence. And the moment that I met you, the, the first word that came to my mind is, I'm home. And then after our session together... I, the only thing I could think of in my mind was, I am heard. I am heard. I am heard. And so that is who you are, Tony. You are a presence of safety and wonder, whimsy and groundedness. And I thank you for that. And now it's your turn to tell your story. <laughs> well, thank you for those kind words. Yeah, my brother. Oh, yeah. So it's interesting and I asked Cass for permission to talk about this, but uh, when we split, when we ended last episode after Cass' story, mm-hmm. um, I could tell that she kept saying, oh, is it, you know, is it too much? Was it too much? You know, people mm-hmm. don't want to know my story and sort of downplaying the importance of her story, of her pain, of her journey. And I said, no, I said, no, that is exactly the whole point is that you are worthy Mm-hmm. and you are enough and that's the same for everybody out there your mm-hmm. story is important and we need to take all the time in the world to listen to it and you said that you heard you felt heard from me and what I say to you is when I speak to you I felt heard from you mm-hmm. so thank you for that so stay brother yeah your journey I said, this is very powerful. And there was a lot of darkness, a lot of hard times, but also there was a beautiful light. And the things that you connected to and that you shared with us that everybody can use, because as I said, everybody's in pain. And often when people react to us or they're, they, they, you know, we, we feel hurt by things they say or do, 
It's simply because they're in pain. Right. And they just don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I give you full credit for getting through your journey and coming through, as I said, through that alchemic process, transformed and changed in the way you did. So in many ways, your journey was kind of like sudden. It just kind of happened. You know, you went in for one physical manipulation and probably things had been setting up in the background from after your brain operation and et cetera that you weren't aware of, right? Mm -hmm. But it just sort of sprang on you suddenly. My story is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So when I left university, and I'm an introvert, right? (laughs) And so if I go to a party or something where I don't know anybody I'm the guy that's just standing in the corner or I'm outside or I'm in the basement. Nobody puts mouthy monk in the corner. (laughs) If I know people, okay, that's a different story, but I am an introvert. And when I left university uh, after a few years um, and (laughs) I was doing my MBA, someone I knew had talked me to go back and do my MBA. I "I didn't know this about you. (laughs) And I, I, I had finished the first year. And I hated wow. it. I absolutely, it was so fucking boring. I, <laughs> I couldn't stand it. I was like, I'm looking around at people taking notes. I'm like, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> and so my wife and I, we got married that summer. Mm. And uh, I came back and I thought I'd better find a summer job, you know, start paying for next year. And I walked into an, <laughs> the craziest thing, this big group interview. I mean, they made it sound like it was just going to be me. But it's this big group interview at this marketing company. And I'm going to give the name simply because it was the best damn experience of my life. A company called Vector Marketing, sold Cutco Knives. My manager <laughs> at the time was Kevin Slover. He's down the state somewhere. Joe Greshkin was our national sales manager. I mean, uh, Captain Cardillo, he was another manager. But I took this job. I remember I came home and I... I told my wife, yeah, I got a job. She goes, great. What are you doing? You know, you've got a psychology degree. You're doing your MBA. I said, <laughs> I'm going to sell knives. You know, <laughs> and that's what I did. I had a sample kit, and I went out. I drove a motorcycle, and I would drive around the countryside what? demonstrating knives in people's homes. Wow. Best fucking knives you're ever, ever. I have a question. Yes. Where did you store the knives while you were on the motorcycle? My backpack. <laughs> They were wrapped up in red felt. It was beautiful. They had covers on them. Anyway. Oh, wow. But so that's, that's kind of the introduction is because for the first time in my life, I found something I really loved. Mm. I, did, I didn't know why. I, I, I don't know how. Okay. I was so shy. But when I got in there and got to speak to people, it was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. the whole atmosphere there was just great. And I worked really hard. I loved it. And I decided I hated school so much. I already had a friggin' degree. I don't need this MBA thing. I hate it. And what would I do anyway? And they offered me a job to be an assistant manager. I said, hell yeah. And uh, and then I I kept working my way up. I became a manager, got my own district office. Uh, It was in Guelph. We were the Royal City Wolf Pack. And we would, ow! We would howl (laughs) at the moon at the end of every meeting. Wall Street right there. Yeah. But I've always had a connection with wolves. And mm-hmm. later on, the wolf comes back into play. Um, and the thing is that it was a crazy lifestyle. And it didn't have to be. It's sense that I just I worked all the time. 
So I was I was working twelve hour days, wow. you know, plus a commute from Hamilton to Guelph back, you know, every day forty five minutes to an hour, and uh, I stopped taking care of myself. So I would eat Harvey's for you know lunch and dinner. Mm. No, my wife cooked amazing stuff, but I you know what I don't have time to wait for that. I just you know and my doctor. You know, they would tell me to take better care of myself, but I was fucking indestructible, man. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So I knew where every Harvey's was. I I ate burgers, fries. I was addicted to Pepsi. I, you know, I ate chocolate all the time, red licorice, chips. You know, if I needed, if I got tired, I would just take a jolt of sugar. Mm. Woo! Yeah. Right for my next interview, for my next meeting, and then you would crash, and so then you'd need another one. Yeah. And so that went on for years. And I stopped going to the gym, and I started putting on weight. And I was looking at a picture of myself. I was like, holy, man, I look super fucking unhealthy. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. That's crazy. But, you know, I, I just loved, I loved the work. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't realize I was kind of like undermining my immunity system. But yeah. that set the stage for everything. So we had a baby. And uh, I remember it was announced in the newsletter, and, and we had the baby in the hospital, and, uh, you know, we were all tired. I, I just I went home for a quick shower when I got back. They said that there was something wrong with the baby's breathing. So they took them from one hospital down to Mac, and there they, they said, no, we have to send her to sick kids. So they flew her in a helicopter. So she got to take a helicopter ride, which I've still never done mm-hmm. in my life. And down to Sick Kids in Toronto. And it was around Halloween, and my wife and I, uh, we got a hotel room there. And uh, she was so small. And they discovered she was born with holes in her heart. Mm-hmm. And so she was, she was uh, strapped, you know, had these tubes going into her. And the doctors the first day said, there's a surgery we can do. But we think we should wait till she gets stronger. And, of course, she didn't get stronger. Mm. So each day she grew weaker, a couple more tubes, lying in that little, that little incubator thing. And uh, after seventh day or so, it became clear that she wasn't going to you know, live. She was on life support. And uh, so you know, my wife called the priest in and did the last rites and... And we had to say that we had to let her go. So we held her in our arms. And I remember before, like when she was born, my biggest wish was I just wanted to take her to the mall mm. and push her around in a stroller. Yeah. Right? And just show her off. Yeah. And then that wasn't going to happen. It was a shock. It was a total shock. It was so crazy you know in a week the whole world sort of turns upside down so we came home and uh we dealt with it in in different ways i didn't i mean neither of us there was no we hadn't read any instruction books on (laughs) what to do and how old were you at this time tony Mm, i don't know i was around 27 maybe yeah (laughs) i don't know everything's a little blurry but um I went back to work. I went back to work, and I was filled with this energy. I was really filled with energy. And I had my district office, and 
we went on and we were the number one district office in Canada that year. Because I had, a, I had all this energy and I didn't know it at the time, but the energy was anger. Mm. Sadness and anger, but I was bursting with it, man. And I didn't want to go home and I didn't want to think about anything else. And I didn't know it at the time. I was avoiding everything. So if you want to know how to deal with loss, you don't do what I did. Because I held everything inside. And so the funny thing is, we kicked ass, man. And the, the division manager, he, he was leaving the country to go down to run another place in the States. And so they gave me a promotion. I was promoted to division manager. And so now I, I had the pleasure of running my own office, plus I had to oversee offices across Southern Ontario. And it was so exciting. It was so exciting. It was everything I'd ever worked for, everything I'd ever wanted. But what I didn't realize was that I had been corroding myself yeah. from the inside. And um, my wife and I, we were, we were sitting on a balcony in Mexico. I was fucking spent. So tired. And I remember saying, okay, we're going to give it six more months. And if I can't, because I'd lost the joy of everything. I said, if I can't get it back, then I'll quit. And this is something I'd worked so hard at. And I loved. And, uh, and so... Six months came, and during that time, we'd had another baby, <laughs> Sabrina. Our first baby's name was Samantha. So Sabrina was born, and I wasn't at home for her. It's so funny. It's so ironic because, you know, mm. I lost what was so precious. But then at the time I quit, Sabrina was two years old, and I realized I didn't even know her. Mm. I didn't even know her. And uh, so I... I quit, and uh, <laughs> I remember at the year-end award, I was crying. I wish I hadn't gone up on that stage, but I did because I, you know, it was so many feelings. So I quit, and I I went home, and all of a sudden, everything that I'd pour myself into for years, it wasn't there. We had back at that back. I mean, we used to communicate with smoke signals, and as, <laughs> you know, we had voicemail. So there's like this voicemail system that you ha had to listen to every day, and. I couldn't listen to it because it wasn't there anymore. And I felt so lost. I lay on the couch for like a week, just super depressed. Right. And that's the day that I walked into the donut shop. I made myself get up, go, ran into to Peggy Margaret, who's an amazing individual connected to angels. And she was the one that introduced me to Reiki. And that's sort of the, the start of my journey. But at that point, my body was pretty toast. I was sick all the time. You know, not only the shock of the death, but just not taking care of myself yeah. for years, for years. So, <laughs> and then at one point, I remember I got severe stomach ache, severe. Oh, and I used to get dizziness all the time. Like mm. they had to rush me to hospital because I, I had the vertigo and I, I was, oh my God, everything was spinning. I mm. couldn't stand. I didn't, I thought I wish I'd, I was dead and mm. they just gave me gravels and things that, you know, finally slowed down. But <laughs> one time I go to the hospital and the nurses say you're constipated and, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, home. you know, they're going to give me whatever that is, enema or whatever. And oh. so like I'm in the, the hallway and all of a sudden they rush me uh, into an operating room, and I find out later that they discovered that my appendix was bursting. So they had to do oh like this emergency gosh. procedure on me, and my heart stopped, and they had to shock me and bring me back to life. <gasps> oh. 
Because my body was in such a shitty state, right? It's like, holy cow. So after that point, they found out that I then, I don't know if I had it before or if that was caused, but I had an irregular heartbeat. Mm. I had arrhythmias. And so if uh, my heart would like just, like just go like crazy, right? So I remember at one point uh, I tried to walk up not two sets of stairs, but two stairs. <laughs> and I was sweating and my oh. heart was bursting out of his chest and I had, to, I had to sit down and I couldn't make it up. You know, at that point, you know, I was a financial advisor and uh, I remember I had to drive an hour to my office and <laughs> I would have to sleep for an hour at lunch, close my, close my blinds and tell the amazing Tracy, all right, no calls for the next hour. And, and then I would drive home and sleep. And uh, it, was just a, it was just a crazy journey. And the thing is, like when we were going through all the, the appointments with the cardiologist stuff, I didn't want to hear any of it. I was just denying everything. It was too mm. scary. I was still, I was just, I was just, I felt like a zombie. I didn't feel anything. Like I remember I wrote, a, I was writing a book and I called it, you know, The Walking Dead. It was before The Walking Dead because yeah. I didn't feel anything. And by that point, I just felt numb and I was so angry. The last time I played golf, I went golfing with my two brother-in-laws and my father-in-law. <laughs> it was like, the calmest Filipino man you'll ever meet in your life. And mm-hmm. every single, every swing he took, it would just go down the middle of the fairway, perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I swing and I'm so angry. <laughs> off it goes, <laughs> off into the woods. I'm like, fuck this, fuck that. I'm throwing my clubs. And I sat down in the middle of the fairway. Mm. And, I, and I said, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And I walked back to the clubhouse and had some fries and a Pepsi. And I didn't play golf for years because I was, I, was I was just spent. So they did procedures on me. Again, this is nothing big, right? I was just emotionally drained. Uh, they did what they called cardio ablations. Yeah. So they would insert something up in my thigh, up into my heart. And at that point, uh, it was very hit or miss. You know, they said, we'll do this. And well. Might help, might not. Yeah. So was it a risky procedure too? Probably. As I said, I tuned up. Mm. Luckily, You're like I don't know. I just like showed up. <laughs> my wife is so much tougher than I am. Mm. She's tough. So she came with me to all the appointments and let me tune out. So I and didn't she, listen. Right, she listened. She yeah. listened, and she's a nurse too, so that helps. Yeah, she had. She had. So how we dealt with things differently, and so she. It's funny, she, she changed her career after the, yeah. the loss of Samantha to become a nurse to work with babies. Mm, my goodness. Yeah. It's, if that doesn't indicate her strength. Mm-hmm. She's pretty, wow. pretty freaking amazing. Wow. Right? So she took all the notes. And I, to this date, I, it's all a haze. Honest to God, you know, I found this one information sheet from the cardiology department at St. Joe's saying you have an appointment at this time at this time and I don't really remember anything except they were never on time I remember (laughs) I had to go to the cardio some big cardiologist's office for some something but there's like an elderly lady beside me because I was at this point I was just newly 30 and uh 
She said, oh, Sonny, you're much too young to, to be, be here. here. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I was very much a victim. Yeah. I very much, I think, felt sorry for myself because I had, I had no energy left. I had nothing. So I kind of stopped seeing people, faded away from anybody outside my immediate family, and I lay in bed depressed. Yeah. And I, I remember I'd have the curtains closed and I watched super violent TV mm. because at least I felt something. something. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And now when I try to watch some of those programs, it's like really uncomfortable. Like, oh, oh, I know. My God. I know. <laughs> like, I just want something like nice and loose and I know. airy. It's like a manifestation of just the way you felt inside too is just bringing it outwards on the screen yeah and i hid it from everybody like yeah i didn't tell anybody really what was going on and i was sick all the time still because of my i was just shot my immune system was shot yeah. so i remember going to my doctor's office all the time and i would get sinus huge sinus infections and then my eyes would get all red and mm. he i would say okay doc i need more antibiotics and i need more of that like stuff right. you shoot up your yeah. nose and he'd say tony you can't keep going like this right you got to do something no no it's okay doc i have a big meeting coming up right. I, need, I need those antibiotics and so it would always be an immediate fix yeah. that never lasted mm. so everybody around me was was telling me I had to take better care of myself, right? And uh, on all those things, eventually, I realized that there, you said there had to be more to life. Yeah. That's what you said, right? Yes. It's exactly what I felt, because I felt dead. Yeah, you were at your bottom of the well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, Samantha, she comes and visits me, mm. lets me know she's okay. I remember the first time was I was on a Reiki table at a Reiki share and Peggy was there and some other people who I didn't know and they were doing Reiki on me and all of a sudden she came to me and she was wearing a white dress mm. and she was on a swing set. Oh, she was so happy. And it was really nice. And she just said, Dad, I'm okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think she saved my life. Yeah. Because she brought that final crash that made me make a decision. So that's when I started coming back. That's when I started coming back. And so Reiki was the first thing that I was introduced to that showed me there was more to the world. Another big event was, I remember, I, years later I switched cardiologists because my first cardiologist was a surgeon. So I, you know, I had no idea, but that's obviously, that's how he would see healing the heart. Right. And my second cardiologist was not a surgeon. Mm -hmm. And he kind of said, I probably, you know, I might not have done those things because it's not what I do. He said, just go home. Just go, just go home. home and live. And he had just taken a scan of my heart and the heart muscle was damaged and my heart was smaller. And he said, just go home. And I remember walk, he, he actually listened to me, Lisa was with me, for 45 minutes. And there was a whole fucking waiting room of people. <laughs> 
but he sat and listened and talked to me for almost an hour. Mm. And I, I remember leaving that office and it was like this huge weight was off my shoulders. Mm. I was like, wow. And that was another big moment when my life changed. Yeah, so for years, I lived in fear because my heart would go in and out, in and out. I'd have a procedure. It might calm for a little bit, then it would be in, and stress set me off. Right. I worked in one place where the boss's wife, oh, fuck, she would just start screaming, and, and I just had to quit. I couldn't take it because my heart went out of whack again. Mm. And so I'd be driving, and all of a sudden, pop, 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 I'd feel something in my heart, and i go, shit, this is it. You know how you talked about that time? Yeah. It's a gross feeling. When you said you're, this might be the last night my daughter had me. Yes. So I, every time I like, this could be it. This could be the heart attack. And I lived in fear for two years. Yeah. And so another big watershed moment for me was when I finally decided I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. And I just said, listen, if I die, I die. I'm already on borrowed time. Mm. Okay. I've been blessed with a second daughter, Sabrina, and then we were blessed with a third daughter, <laughs> Sierra. And when I left that job, I sat at home with my daughter, Sabrina, my two-year-old daughter, for a full year. Mm. Luckily, my wife had a job, <laughs> so I could do it. But I got to know her, and I made a commitment at that point. And so for the next well, 20 years, I coached sports. I, I coached, Sabrina was four when we wanted to get her into soccer. And they said, sorry, you're late. We have the only way we could get her in was if you guys decided to coach. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so there we were. We said, okay, because we were both athletic. We both played soccer all our lives. So I played yes. it up to university. I said, yeah, we'll coach, man, sure. Yes. Let's get her in. So our four-year-old daughter. So we started coaching. It was so much fun. Wow. And coaching played a big role in my life. So we coached yeah. soccer. And then first year I coached her basketball uh, through rep. You know, right through till she was in high school. Yeah. Wow. And then we coached beyond. But the reason coaching was very big for me was during those years I was a financial advisor. I would come home from the, the office and sleep. And the only, one of the only things that got me through it was I knew that I could go to practice and coach those kids. Mm. And they had all this energy. Mm. It was crazy. And so that gave me life. I gave to them everything I had, and I left exhausted, but mm. it gave me life. And a lot of them came from, not a lot of them, but some of them came from some troubled homes, I think. And for them, that 90-minute practice was a timeout. It was a safe place. Yeah. And it was so invigorating. So those, those are, I mean, I was so fortunate, Cass. I had a family. I had the support of my wife, Lisa, my parents, mm. Pat and Pat. Pat and Pat. Yeah, who supported me. I had a, an extended family who I withdrew from, but I knew they supported me. I was very lucky. I had all of that. And still, even though I had all of that, I still was so depressed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was a journey. And another big moment, one time, I'll give a plug out to a fellow by the name of Joel Bauer. Yeah, he's down in, in L.A., and he helped people tell their stories. He's a master salesman, hmm. master. But what he did was he would help people tell their story. And listening to him on stage and working with others, I just remember this, this 
hugely moment because, I mean, I used to feel invincible. Man, we used to do triathlons. I was a fucking black belt. Like, we'd go up and down Blue Mountain. I remember when I test graded for my black belt, they would have a bucket beside us because everybody would throw up because we had to do (laughs) so many push-ups. I would do all that stuff. And, but it was, I mean, because I was on blood thinners for so many years, my whole body atrophied, all my muscles shrank. Mm. I remember this dude said, hey, you got fucking chicken legs. I was like, <laughs> oh, it was, it really killed That's something me. something you don't say to a vegan, <laughs> by the way. It killed me at that time. But so this guy on stage, he reached down inside of me and he made me realize that my warrior was still there. Mm. and he pulled it out and up and I remember I ran into the washroom and I just bawled my eyes out because from I realized I was still there and so I have a website awaken your warrior within that I haven't touched for years you know Mm. I wrote a book but it was all about that experience and I do believe that I believe we all have warriors inside of us yeah people are so powerful Mm. but we just get beaten down by life. Mm. So the things that pulled me through, my wife, my family, my kids, coaching basketball, so that gave me a purpose. Yeah. I was able to give back. It gave me a purpose and hope, hope. Oh. And I remember, I think at the time that, because we... We used to love to ride bikes. We'd mountain bike all over the place. <laughs> you know, with my brother-in-law, who was in amazing shape. One time we're going up Blue Mountain, and like we have these big backpacks on, and my brother-in-law, he's already at the top, right? <laughs> and like all of a sudden, we're going up this really steep part, and like I fall backwards because <gasps> oh, my no. bike just, and I'm, land, I'm, I'm landed upside down with my tires in the air, my backpack underneath me, my bro- with knives. Yeah, my brother-in-law, <laughs> you guys need any help? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he came and got us. But I remember thinking to myself, if I could just ride my mountain bike one more time, mm. if I could just ride, and you said that you thought about riding a bike too. You told me that. Yeah, off mic before we started, when I was really unwell, I created kind of this vision board, mm-hmm. um, which I taped <laughs> off mic, off <laughs> mic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just in between. I mean, um, I created this vision board that I taped to the side of my dresser so that when I fell asleep, I saw it. And when I woke up, I saw it. And well, and when I spent all day in bed, I saw it, but I had a picture, Tony, of a woman riding a bike. And for some reason, there's something about that image that spoke to me. And as I'm speaking right now, Tony, I wonder if it's just the bikes move you forward and they're so freeing. That's exactly the word. We're going down all these hills, down the mountain, like crazy, crazy shit, man. And like we're going fast and it's out of control. your chicken legs could handle it. Yeah, but... Yeah, but no, they used they back then they were strong. They they are no longer chickeny. All right, I, I was able to get my muscles back, but um, yeah, you're right. It's that freedom. It moves you forward. It, per, it pushes you forward. But I was thinking again, what the heck are the odds that that was on your vision board and that was the one thing that moment? So I said, what if I could? And the word 
if and then how. Uh, how. So I thought, what if I could? And then I thought, okay. Even if I could just ride it like down my driveway, that would be fucking awesome. Right. So then the word yeah. became how. How. And so the first step was I had to get out of bed. Yes. And then I had to go outside. Yes. And I practiced walking from my house to the end of the driveway and back. Yeah. I remember my wife holding my arm as we walked to the neighbor's house. Yes. And back. I've done that, Tones. Yeah. I have a walker still that takes <laughs> me around the neighborhood and everyone waves at me. You do what you got to do. And part of me felt so pathetic, but part of me was like, fuck yeah! <laughs> I know. The warrior is back. The warrior is back. Yeah. You redefined warrior. Yeah. Amazing. So, I mean, those are some of the big moments for me and, and it just it just started coming back. It was crazy. It yeah. just started coming back. So over the time, I switched my diet. Um, I decided that my body didn't feel good with meat, so I decided I wanted to try just being vegetarian. Yep. When I went to school at University of Guelph, I used to drive behind some big pig trucks too, and I always thought that was kind of sad, so yeah, that helped too, much. but yeah. I can't say that I became vegetarian for any noble reason. It was mostly I wanted to see how I'd feel. And my first, uh, first experience as a vegetarian was to go to the mall and eat New York fries. <laughs> So I had those for lunch and dinner for a few days, and uh, I felt weak and sick, so I said I wasn't ready. So it took me a couple of times. To figure it out, yep. I missed well-done bacon. Yes. And oh, pepperoni. Yes. But I haven't eaten meat for like 27 years, I guess. Wow. I don't miss it at all, at all. Wow. Um, but I've learned the effect that food can have in you. And I don't yeah. care if people eat meat or not. I don't judge. I don't really give a shit, right? <laughs> but I remember one time my, my wife had brain fog. Yes. What she called it. And she just switched to organic free-range chicken, and it cleared. And it cleared. It's amazing. Well, it's crazy because, you know, throughout uh, my journey too, I experimented with, like, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, keto diet, the whole thing. You do anything you can to try to benefit your health, right? And None we don't, of it worked. And we way. don't appreciate <laughs> We don't appreciate health until we don't have it. That's a lesson That's I learned. That's the bottom line. And I learned now I don't take anything for granted. Yes. All right, so I appreciate everything. I'm filled with gratitude yes. for many things. And that's I know one thing that shines about you is, is the gratitude that you have. Do you feel, Tony, um, that you love your body more than you ever have now? I appreciate my body, and I say I want to do an episode where I talk about some of the things I've done to get my health back, so yeah, I won't go into that yep. today, but I really do, and I take care of me, Yeah. and everything I do now, and it's tough, it's much tougher, because if you drive down the road, what do you see? You see Harvey's, McDonald's, Arby's, Mary Brown's fried chicken, <laughs> Starbucks, yeah. like, okay, I'm sorry. Temptation, yeah. I love Starbucks. I don't see anything healthy in there. Yeah. Okay? But, I mean, there's all these fast food restaurants, and that's, what's, that's what our society is now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so busy, and we need the convenience. And that's then, what we tell ourselves. And half the time, half, that's what we tell ourselves. But I do have mm -hmm. to admit, though, a lot of times, maybe not so much now, that um, sometimes it's cheaper to get fast food than it is to eat healthy. It is, in fact, cheaper to eat cheaper to eat junk food and fast food it's cheaper to buy pepsi than it is to buy water, water. 
yeah, which is water with shit added. added. How is that possible? It's, it's just huh. it's pretty gross. Okay, let's get off this road because ah! this isn't. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna get upset. I'm gonna get we're, upset. We're, we're, we need to get back to the warrior mode. And I'm gonna start I preaching. I do have one very serious question for you, though, Tones. <laughs> May I ask? Okay, go ahead, man. I'm an open Ooh. book now because, like, talking about this was part a big part of my healing cast. I know a big part. I wrote a book. I wrote a book on my 50th birthday to show my kids you could do it, but also. I needed to just say it. Mm. It was my story. Did you just admit that you're 50? No, I said 33. Ah, uh, so Tony, to this point, I'm like, how old are you, Tony? Tones, tell me. And he's like, I'm 33. I'm 33. I am 33. I'm In 33. my <laughs> mind, I am 33, Larry Bird's number, and yeah. I'm oh, still yes. huh. the most immature person there is. Three-year-old. Yep. Not 33. So what's your question? Oh, well, now it's not that serious. I was going to ask, what the heck... It's with you and Harvey's. Like you've mentioned Harvey's like six times. You see, okay, they had a veggie burger. <laughs> okay. So even after I was sick, even after my body crashed and I turned, tr- I changed to be a vegetarian. You went to go get. Yeah, so I ate at Harvey's before, but then they their burger was the best veggie burger at the time. So it gave me a new appreciation. And because I had to travel around southern Ontario to all the different offices, right? I went to some place I felt safe. Some place. Yeah, I loved Harvey's. Safe. Harvey's was great. So that's why I talk about Harvey's. Harvey's. Yeah. Harvey's. was my good friend for many years. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've just never heard anyone so devout to Harvey's in particular. Well, there you go. That's wow. why. They yeah. were my friend. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm shouting out love to Harvey's, man. There you go. Love you, man. <laughs> we'll take sponsors. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, what else? You mentioned a few books. You know, I, I think about there were a couple of books that helped me. Yeah. Um, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, he was yeah. big for me. Yeah, yes. I mean, you can't go wrong with Tony Robbins. Awaken the Giant Within was Read a it, book. Been there, it's done that. Huge book, right? Great book. Um, I remember Robin Sharma helped me because I, I always thought I had to be on the go. I always thought the only way to succeed was I had to keep moving and build, be successful business person, either in marketing or right. in financial. And the, the book I read by him, the first one was called The Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO. Mm. And it hit me because it was just about this guy who met a surfer dude who said there's more to life. Right. Just let go, right? So it doesn't have the same impact on me when I read it now, but the first time I read it, it, it changed my yes. life. But there, So I've had some great mentors. Um, so that, you know... Joel Bauer down in California, sort of from a distance, helped me. I, I went back to school for traditional Chinese medicine because mm. for one of my birthdays, I think it was my 33rd, my wife took me to see a shaman and did a drum journey to find my animal spirit. And uh, it was so cool. She took me away. Like It was crazy, a wild journey. Like The moment she started hitting her drum, I was carried away. And at the end... She said, you should be doing something like in the energy and the healing field. And mm-hmm. she didn't really know me. And that was the time that I left, finally left the business world. I went back to school for traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. And I learned acupuncture. And traditional Chinese medicine, the, the, the way they view things, the body and the energy and the qi and qi stagnations and qi deficiencies for the first time, something really made sense to me for the first time ever because I avoided everything to do with medicine, everything about my body. But it helped me realize that 
I was still holding on to a lot of anger. And so there's a condition, liver chi stagnation, happens when you hold on to a lot of anger. And then it, it blocks the circulation of chi in your body. And, and so the anger is supposed to be able to flow down, but it can't. It just goes up. And that's mm. why I was always so angry. And I would erupt. It wasn't me. And so I finally, I finally learned I had to let go. I had to let go. And so the biggest step for me was I had to forgive. Mm. I had to forgive the doctors. Because yeah. I was so mad. I didn't want to go in a hospital ever again. It's so funny. My wife changes to become a nurse to live in a hospital. Yeah. And I can't even go in one. But I had to forgive them because they were just doing what they had to do. I mean, I didn't know anything. And everything always happens for a reason. So I forgave them. I forgave myself. I've, I forgave everyone. There's an amazing book I read about hope, hope and hope and hope. Oh, I never say, know how to say it. I always laugh. <laughs> um, can't help you on this and one. I'll try to think of the name of it. If I can't remember, I'll put it in the... But it, on my website, I put it as the most recommended book oh. that I've ever recommended oh. to people. I'm going to look it up here. Yeah, so keep talking for a second. What brought you to, like, how did you know how to transition to Chinese medicine, though, Tones? Like, how did you know about it and wanted to go to school for it? Like, how did that even happen? Well, that is a great question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks for asking. He's, like, trying to delay because he's having a hard time multitasking. The book is called Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. Zero limits. I'm sure there's a million books on open, 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 obo, but this one connected with me, man. But anyway, so in it, you have to say four sentences, mm-hmm. right? Which now I forget, so I'll think about that. But it's basically... Great book, though. I love you. Please forgive me. Yeah. No. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And that helped me get rid of so much anger. Mm. And the reason I got into Chinese medicine was because there was a practitioner I took my youngest daughter to for sciatica mm. out in Grimsby, an amazing fellow by the name of Christopher Cole. Shout out, Christopher Cole. And he was also one of my teachers. But I took a look at him, and he, he said, I'm going to do some Qigong on you and kind of open my eyes. That's more energy work. So he also helped launch me into the energy world. Mm. So if you're out Grimsby way and you need some alternative health or acupuncture, he also does sound healing, sound therapy now. Oh wow. Yeah, he's I've heard he's lots a pretty cool lately. pretty cool dude. A lot of people opening up like music therapy clinics and things like that. Pretty cool. Yeah. So forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness. of yourself as well. Oh yeah. Of forgiveness of yourself and the other people. Yeah. Like the doctors. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do that with everything. I have to, you know, if I, f- anything in life, I have to, we just have to forgive others. But, uh, so, so what was next, Tones? Well, that was, I mean, that's pretty much my journey. The, I feel better now, like health-wise, than I've felt for decades. Yeah. I love what I do. I love to be in the energy clinic. I've, I've met the coolest people in the universe. I get to work with amazing people. I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed to be able to do this podcast with you. I'm blessed. Mm. And I see the warrior in people. Yeah. 
people usually come to me, just so you know, uh, I'm more known for energy. I do acupuncture and cupping and stuff, but everybody knows me for energy work, and I do medical Qigong, and I do Reiki, and I, uh, with, I'm now an ordained Taoist priest, so I talk a lot to people, and I call them. I call them on their bullshit. Yep. Just because we all make excuses, and sometimes, just as my Shifu did to me, he reflected a mirror back at me, so that I couldn't get away with the stuff I was trying, you know. He made me look at myself and see the fear I had, see the anxiety I had. And so that's what I help people do. So people come to me usually when they're, they're anxious, they're spent, they yeah. feel stuck. And I, I see them, though. I, see, I really see them. Yeah. I see their energy. And I want to help them just awaken the warrior yeah. that's inside of them. Yeah. Beautiful. So anybody out there, and I know I've babbled a lot today. No babbling. Thank you for allowing me to share. It's been part of my healing, sharing this story. Mm. And I know there's lots of people that have gone through the loss of someone precious. And I hope that you handle it better than I did. I did what I had to do because that's all I could do because that's all that I knew. And it brought me to here, so I forgive myself for that too. Yeah. Right? But I want you to know that there is a light, that there are people there that you can just reach out to. My mentors reached down and pulled me up. They helped me when I was at my darkest point. And that's what I want to do for people, is I want to help you, because by helping you, you help me. And I have nothing but love for you, total love unconditional support and I will do anything that I can to help you feel better anything that I can at the end of the day I shake it off because it's not mine I teach Reiki I teach a lot of people Reiki and I help them see because they take on the pain of others and I help them see that they have to differentiate it's not their pain yeah there's a difference between sympathy and empathy People don't need sympathy. They need empathy. So help them release their pain, help them open up, provide a safe place where they feel they can let go. Everybody cries. You know, a session without tears is not a real session. (laughs) I've bawled my eyes out millions of times and people so often say, Tony, I'm telling you this time, I swear I'm not going to cry this time. (laughs) Tony has to keep like a hydration fridge here for all his clients, coconut water and electrolytes. But the biggest thing I want to leave with is Mm. I want to tell everybody to let go. Just let go. Let go of the fear. Let go of the anger. Let go of feeling like a victim. You may be sad. You may feel guilt. But that's not a burden that you have to carry. It's not your cross to carry. Guilt is the heaviest of all emotions. And when I can, because when I do energy, and it feels weird to even say this, but I can feel it. I can feel the energy and I feel the difference, the textures. Yeah. I feel the emotions. I know what has to leave. I know what they need more of. And I, I'm just a conduit. And I just, everybody's body is a self-healing machine, as is yours, Cass. Hmm. everybody's body is a self-healing machine. If we can eliminate the toxins, watch what you're eating, 
Watch what you're thinking. Let go of the anger. Let go of the ego. Let go of the need to fool the world into thinking that you're somebody you're not trying to impress people. Let go of all of that when you can be you. Authentic. And that was the biggest thing that my Shifu drilled through my stubborn head finally. Hmm. As I said, he always says, you know, this is my cup of fucks and it's empty. (laughs) Always would say that. So my clients now take great joy in coming in and telling me, this week, Tony, like I said, yeah, I don't give a fuck. And then they start giggling because <laughs> they're so happy because it's so freeing. It's so freeing. To just let go. Just let go. That's so beautiful, Tony. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart and on behalf of our listeners for taking a chance on letting the warrior within you shine its light upon us today. I really, really appreciate you. And I thank you for the journey that you embarked upon so that we could learn from your story and your sharing this day. I also encourage our listeners that potentially on our next podcast, um, we were thinking about diving into the tools, the specific tools that you can use for self-healing. So you've heard our stories now, but we will lovingly share the things that really worked for us, the practical day-to-day things you can do to get through your challenge, to get through your journey, and prepare to let go, my friends. And please keep the feedback coming. Mm. You know, you're contacting us through our Instagram Cassandra and the Mouthy Monk. I have people emailing me. Please, I love the feedback and I love the questions you're giving us. So if there is anything specific that you want to know from me, anything from either of of our stories, please let us know so we can talk about it. Yeah. Love you guys.